great pleasure to welcome up Grace Burton. Give her a hand as she comes up the stage. Thank you, Grace. Um, for those who don't know Grace, she was a pastor here for 20 years or so, almost to the day. And, um, and it's our great pleasure to introduce her back to speak with us on um, mental health, well-being. Grace is um, a lifetime of leaning into Jesus, um, opening up his word and um, letting that flow into her life. And out of that, she's going to flow back into us this morning. So thanks, Grace. Thank I'm, done. I'm, I'm just raring to go. I have to go to grab this mic. <laughs> hey, um, so my name's Grace. If you've never met me before, I happen to be Elijah's mum. And that is awesome for both of us. We're both very, we're both smart. Yeah. And uh, anyway, hey, um, so you may have caught on social media that Paul and I are floating around the island a bit. Currently, we're in Dargaville in our little caravan, right on the outskirts of Dargaville, beside what I think the Jordan River looks like. It's a very wide, muddy, muddy, deep river. It's very, very, uh, flows very high, so I hope it doesn't flood because we're very close to it. Uh, and uh, Dargaville is an interesting wee place um, and looking forward to uh, exploring a bit of the, um, the north of Dargaville, right up into the Northland. Paul has on his heart right now, and he has already been doing this all year, researching the beginnings of the gospel in New Zealand. Did you know the gospel was flourishing before the treaty was signed, flourishing. And um, so he's now uh, meeting up with different people and um, reading the stories and going to places. And um, so that's pretty exciting to hear what he ends up getting from God through that. Well, today, oh, it's already up. Fantastic. I'll just turn this on. And we should be, we should be ready to go. Okay. Well, if not, that's right. Um, I hope today to give you a few tools, they're not all the tools, to processing emotion. Ah, here we go. <laughs> to processing emotion. And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the four basic emotional needs that someone has put together from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you've done any reading, you'll know Maslow. Uh, he is, uh, I mean, reading in good mental, you know, mental health areas. I believe he was writing and practicing about 100 years ago, so he was fairly early in the research of how people worked. And um, currently, well, now there is a, um, there is a Maslow's... Um, oh, I had the word in my head. I just want to say club. Institute, that's it. <laughs> and the researchers are saying, the researchers have done research of recent years looking at cities and uh, well-educated people and then um, indigenous tribal groups that are still living in more primitive ways and uh, different cultures, money, and they have come to the conclusion that all people have the same emotional needs. It's not our current day, or even our own culture that would suggest that we have the same needs everywhere. So let's try that. Woohoo! So here are the needs that I'm going to talk about. So I'm hoping to give some insight on what the needs look like when they're met in your life, and what they look like when they're not met in your life, and how Jesus 
helps us in emotional resilience. I'm only going to scratch the surface because, as you all know, if you have emotions to process, it takes a lifetime to process. And sometimes it's like an onion being peeled. And uh, so you'll start off and you'll think, oh, I'm getting somewhere. And then two years later you think, I thought I was getting somewhere. (laughs) Anyway, the, um, the first one I'm going to talk about is safety. Now, remember, this is emotional safety. Where you feel protected, loved, you feel like you belong, there's a sense of security, you have emotional connection, and uh, it's a safe environment for you to meet your potential. And how this is usually met is by tribe, family, club, church, um, friendships, marriage, family, I think I've said family, and, and when this is met, so why don't you do a little bit of a checklist on yourself? Think, so I've only been counselling for seven years, but working with people my whole life, and I generally think most emotional processing can boil down to one of these areas. I actually always have an area. If I'm going to have any processing, any anger I have to process, or sa- uh, not, not so much grief, that's a different thing, but if, I have, if I'm stirred up, it's always significance for me. It's, it's like that's the one that's always a bit empty. I never, ever think about safety and innocence. I'm always okay there. But sometimes progress. But So let's just have a little checklist. So if this is met, if safety is met in your life, you can be yourself. You don't have to put on a mask. I can just be myself. And you know where you're safe and where you're not safe. That's okay. So some areas you're not safe. So you don't have to take your mask off everywhere. But you should be able to take it off some places, otherwise you're not in a good place. You know that you're accepted as an individual. Um, in fact, I might just do... There you go. Uh, that's what safety's about. <laughs> uh, you know that you're accepted as an individual. You ha- people have your back, but you also have other people's back. There's trust. Um, you can trust, but others can trust you. Um, you have great emotional connection, not with everyone, but you have some emotional connection in your life. And you can be vulnerable to uh, significant people in your life. But when this is not met, it is not a nice place to be. A lot of social anxiety, panic attacks. Uh, People struggle with these thoughts. I don't belong here. I feel invisible. And some people genuinely feel that they're not okay unless they don't have a partner or children or this or that. They they can't be okay in themselves. And you will constantly be thinking, what is she thinking? Oh, Karen's not looking at me right now. What's she thinking? What's she writing on her phone? That's what you'll be doing. You'll be often thinking about what are people thinking about me? Um, You'll be easily offended. You'll be double-guessing people. And because you will feel like you have to do stuff to belong. So you think, I have to keep that big person happy. I have to, um, you know, I have, to, I have to dress in a certain way. I have to look a certain way because I, I need to fit in. Um, so you think sometimes a lot of your relationships will feel like you're walking on eggshells because you never quite get it right. Uh, you may... It might be all in your head. A lot of this just might be all in your head. The other person is probably not thinking. 
the things you possibly think they're thinking. And also, two more things in this that are big. People isolate themselves. This is a big thing for isolating yourself. Don't want to go to the social group. Don't want to go to life group. Don't want to uh, talk to someone. Um, just feel a lot safer at home, away from everyone. And then another way, that's more one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum is I have to control everything and everyone to feel safe. Because if things are my way, then I can relax. Now, I would say 98% of all that is in your non-conscious and you don't know why you're thinking that. Now, but... Oh, they're a bit small, but you might be able to read them. (laughs) In Jesus. So I want to say that because God designed you and made you and created to you, none of this stuff that is found in research and psychology and et cetera, et cetera, is news to him. None of it's a surprise. He created you to have those four emotional needs, plus he planned to help you fill them. He is the source. He is the foundation. If you go around, if you beat around the bush without going to Jesus first, you won't get everything you need. Start with him. And um, so... I want to read, I want to say two things about uh, the need of emotional safety in your life. The first is Jesus, Father God, from the beginning in Genesis, created community. He wants you to have community, but that's a safe place. Why do you think he organized us to be in families, um, tribes, cultures? He wants, um, and there's a lot of people that don't have safe families for one reason or another. Uh, that's all right, because God's got a family. God's got a family, and all you have to do is slowly but surely take a step in as the trust builds. Oh, these people are all right. Now, by the way, when you're starting to trust people, they're not going to be perfect. So you can't have perfection to feel safe, but Jesus is perfect. So I'm going to read two scriptures. The first is about community. This is what God planned. So if you're asking for a wife or a husband or friends, you're allowed to. You're supposed to. Okay. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other. This is from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. But pity anyone who falls who has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. So that's a great thing. (laughs) But how can one keep warm alone? Uh, Electric blankets. (laughs) So if you're not married, electric blankets, guys and girls. (laughs) Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands, I love this, the cord of three strands is not equally, equally broken, easily broken. That is obviously a man, woman and God. And so that's first. Community is his idea. If you're feeling like safety is a problem for you and you want, you start praying. You start discussing this with with the Lord. The second one is Jesus has your back. So even if you can't find people at the moment to trust and to have your back, let's start with the person who will never let you down. Uh, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's actually quoted from um, Deuteronomy. The second verse 6 says, So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. 
what can mere mortals do to me? And that's quoted from the Psalms. So there you are. That's safety. Now, when you do your um, life group discussions, uh, so here's a heads up. You can think about it. This is just the start. I'm only going to give one or two scriptures for each uh, emotional need. So why don't you uh, start thinking, oh, what would the Lord say about that need uh, in a principle or a scripture from his word? Okay, the second one is significance. This is all about... This is all about me being special. It's self-worth, uh, my achievements, acceptance, and um, it's autonomy, uh, personal power to direct my own life. In that, you have boundaries and ownership. Talked about boundaries last week. Uh, and to tell you the truth, most people... Well, there's just really two big uh, subjects on significance. You're either are find, trying to find it in other people or you're trying to find it in your performance. And this is what it looks like when you have significance met. I have self-confidence. I know I'm unique and I can make my own way in life. I can handle my mistakes because I don't think I am my mistakes. Now, if people don't like me, it's not the end of the world. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but... I won't have a meltdown. I know that I have skills and talents, but you know what? Don't, they don't have to look like anyone else's skills or talents. Um, and I know when I've done a good job and I can be proud of it. Now, when this is not met, you are so busy comparing yourself. It could be on all the lovely social media sites. It could be what your friends have done since school. It could be... Uh, the people that you're jealous of or wished you could be like. Um, and uh, you often have a sense of feeling like you're a failure and that you're useless and that you're not enough. And, uh, but also you tend to, you can have extremely high expectations. So you're always beating yourself up. Nothing is ever good enough. And um, because you're only significant if you achieve or if you're... Do this or do that. Uh, you know, you set your own parameters. Nobody else is setting them for you. Somehow you got your wires crossed and you decided that... Uh, I can remember I dropped maths in the middle of high school because I was used to becoming first or second in the class. And I had very difficult maths by the time I was 15 and 16 and I just was a bit too lazy to work hard and also being average was not good enough. So... I decided I wasn't going to be a mathematician or a scientist. So, because in my, in my um, context, if I couldn't be up the top, I don't do it. And I know somebody else sitting on the front row like that. <laughs> he once told me, if I can't be top, I don't want to be middle of the bright class, I want to be top of an average one. <laughs> Go, Elijah and Grace. We can be top of average. Okay, so you, what, what happens though is you crucialise things. Things are huge. I mean, and if, and if it fails or you didn't do it the way you should do it, man, will you take ages to process it. And you can get very angry at other people if they were in the mix of what you think is a failure. Uh, so as I said, you think either it's all about you or it's all about what other people think of you. They give me validation. They tell me I'm significant. 
Um, I always think, now this is a big generalisation, but if you're a younger person of a big family, have you noticed how much they need validation? Because their voices don't get through at all the dinner tables, and so they've got to be funnier or cleverer or stupider. (laughs) Something to get attention. Because the oldest ones have always got, you know, and, and by the time the youngest one comes, I remember... Sometimes they have to tell you a story three or four times before you go, yes, that's so exciting, hallelujah. If you just go, "Uh uh-huh, they don't think you've heard. (laughs) Are you a person that needs validation? Okay, how about let's find our validation in Jesus. So, okay, significance through Jesus. First of all, I know this is a cliche in Christian world. You've got to see Jesus, see Jesus. How does he see me? So how does Jesus see me? I'm very much reminded that the concept of I'm not a human doing, I'm a human being. Currently, I'm babysitting my six-month-old baby grandson, number seven, called Romy J, Romy J and me, and I had him all day yesterday, and I thought, you know, poor little fella, he's really good for nothing. He just, (laughs) he can't do the dishes. He can't even put himself to bed quite often because he's really social, really social. He's fantastic. His superpower is sleeping. He sleeps all night long, but not during the day. And he just has to have constant interaction. And anyway, what I'm thinking about this is, this is a picture. You just being, just being makes you special. Just being. Being born... But that, that also is a big concept with the pro-life. Just being, just having a heartbeat makes you significant. And uh, so I want to say in the scripture, it says often, in fact, I think it says about 10 times in the New Testament, love others as you love yourself. How many times have we heard that? But the interesting thing about that concept is it just takes for, it's, a, it's like a throwaway line. Jesus goes, love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. That's just a given. He just thinks, duh, of course you're going to love yourself. Like, but how many people, honestly, I've been working on myself for a little while, but how many people can truly say, I love myself and everything about me? No, there's a few things I'm still working on. But I have learnt to really stop crucializing and to really relax by saying, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm a human being. I'm just going to be. I'm just going to be with God right now. I'm going to be with me. I'm going to be with my family. Um, And you know what, so-and-so who didn't talk to me or didn't invite me to their party or where whatever, I'm not going to give them the right to, I'm not going to give them the power to say who I am or what I am. Um, they're not going to get to determine my worth. Um, not that I'm going to be nasty to them. No, I won't be nasty. But, you know, I- I'm not going to just give the right to anyone and everyone to say, oh, you were in and you were out. Sorry, Grace, bye. Because God says I'm in all the time. Now, um, I was telling Elijah this on Friday. Do you know, in, in the, uh, I want to tell you how significant you are. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about this, but I'm sure in the book of Grace, (laughs) 
There is a book in heaven. It's called the hair book. Every single person's name is in this book. And it tells you exactly how much hair you have. Do you believe me or not? I'll read from the Bible. Luke 12. It says, Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. I reckon sometimes God just doesn't have enough to do. (laughs) So, some of you, it's real easy for him to count. (laughs) And others, not so. Okay. But this is what I'm trying to say. If God goes to the trouble for every person on earth to know something stupid like how much hair they have, wouldn't he be more interested in your emotions, your soul connection with him, your relationships, the way you want to love him and serve him, the way, what you struggle with? And um, at the end of the day, some of the stuff might wash over your head what you have to do is you have to grab it and say, okay, that sounds really stupid, but if God knows that much about me, I'm going to explore it. Because in the Christian, I mean, I've been in church my whole life, gave my heart to the Lord at seven, parents are pastors, missionaries. I, I've heard a lot of things like, find yourself in Christ. So many little, little um, phrases that are fantastic. They're all truth, but they kind of just wash over me. Sometimes you just have to stop and grab one and go, I'm going to explore this one. Okay, the next one is progress. By the way, significance is always mine. Man, sometimes, but I, I just have to praise God. I have to give a testimony. So I did living wisdom training to be a counsellor. And so that's the form of counselling I take, which is a little bit like CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, with a big bit on emotions too. And... Uh, I remember when I had my significance trashed, mostly by me, because I didn't do something or something didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn, I remember having a three-week tantrum, pity party. Uh, most people wouldn't have known because I I'm, you know, put my mask on and go to church. But I think Elijah might have heard a bit of vileness out of my mouth and Paul definitely did. But it, was, it took me three weeks to process. Three weeks. I had no idea my significance was bashed around and that I needed to find another way to get my need of significance filled. And, um, and then about two years later, after I'd been starting to do a lot of this work on me and, and journaling and thinking about good mental health, um, a very similar situation happened, which I would uh, tend to go spiralling down and have my tanty and my pity party and whatever else party I could think of. That, uh, and uh, I just stopped because this concept came to me. You know what, Grace? At the end of the day, you are a human being. You're not a human doing. And I thought, I felt like saying, well, that's not good enough. I don't want to hear that. But I let it settle into my spirit. And by the end of the day, that bad mood had evaporated. Oh, the joy of good mental health. Okay, so progress is the next one. Did I? Oh, yeah, okay. So progress is about hope. It's about looking into the future and thinking, oh, hope for the future. Really big about purpose, self-development and autonomy. Now, um, 
Where am I? Ah, uh, progress. Ah, there we are. Okay. Um, you can steer your own ship. You have something to give to the world. There is a reason why you're here. And you can be proud of yourself. Probably in significance, you can be proud of yourself too. When this need is not met, uh, you get angry at wasted time. You might even get to the point where you'd throw a computer out the door if there was a mistake. Um, regret decisions that are made. I should have done this or I should have done this by now. Uh, I drive myself to get ahead. Have you ever heard of the glass ceiling in work or a midlife crisis all around the thought of progress? You have a strong thought that failure is unacceptable and you again do a lot of comparing. Um, if you're not driving yourself out here, you've gone completely to apathy and depression and not wanting to get out of bed or you're just a workaholic. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so relaxing is just a very difficult thing. I, I actually, oh, I get surprised when I talk to people. Just one person recently told me all the things they're doing. And, a, a, and I thought, wow, you are superwoman. But you're sitting there going, I'm not doing enough. I just feel like I'm not going to get there. In fact, she said, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. I'm thinking, wow, I already think you're a superwoman. <laughs> Raising a family and all of that. And that need for progress was ginormous in her life. And driving her, driving her. Okay, what does Jesus say about this one? He wants us to progress. That's what I want to say. People might think this is not a, uh, a, a spiritual need. <laughs> but why would he say... Use your talents and grow them. And why would he have piles of scriptures saying things like grow from glory to glory, looking at Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit? Why would he say that over and over again in the Word if he wasn't into self-development and into some sort of growth? Here, I don't think he meant buy thousands of houses and beautiful cars and get degrees like crazy. He's just saying move ahead, have hope for the future, live with a purpose. Okay, so I've given you the scripture, which is 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says, uh, growing from glory to glory, and then the thought of the parable of talents. He just, you know, even if you feel that you're quite contained, perhaps with your health, perhaps with your, uh, what you can do, there, there is not one single person that can't live with purpose. There's not one single person that can say, okay, God, I'm stuck in a wheelchair. I am stuck with no money. I am uh, stuck with no friends. Uh, there's not one single person that cannot add value to this world. And as Christians, we have the best, most powerful, impactful but invisible thing to do, and that's pray. If that's all you can do, you can lie absolutely paralyzed in bed and you can pray. The last, um, the last need, emotional need, is the need to feel innocent. It's not my fault. 
Now, who has raised toddlers? Now, I don't know if all toddlers are like this, but the four that I raised a while ago used to always say it wasn't their fault. Who did this? So-and-so did. Not me. And I remember, I remember growing up, I would immediately lay blame on someone else because I wanted to be innocent. I wanted to be good, even if I did it. (laughs) Um, Now, innocence is about shame and guilt, about being a good person and a bad person. It is about feeling clean or dirty. It... uh, or, or a whole lot of things that if you do feel dirty or stupid or bad and you can't get rid of it, you will then need to drown it out with something. Um, you could drown it out with self-harm or you could drown it out with alcohol or drugs or why don't you drown it out with religious activity? There's multitudes of things you could pull for to drown it out. Uh, when this need is met, so as I said I know I have sinned in my life. I have done things. I can remember getting hiding as a little girl for doing things. Mum and Dad said, do not do this, Grace. And then I would sneakily go and do it. And I got a nice gentle hiding on my backside. I can remember it. I was about eight. But, you know, and I, I know that I have, I have thoughts I wish I didn't have at times. And I know by, I so know that I am not in, I'm not God's standard of perfectness. However, I have never, ever, ever thought I had a need in this area. I have been so gifted with the fact that I knew that God loved me and forgives me and that I am not what I do wrong. That's what I did. That's not who I am. And I am not the person, I am not the bad stuff that happened to me. If I was an abused child or a bullied child or something else. I am not. Um, When this need is met, you can mess up, but you don't believe you're the mess. You can learn from your mistakes because you're not blaming someone else. And you are teachable. And also, in this one, there's still a bit of the people component where I, w- I feel okay if I can keep, say, for example, my husband happy. You know, I'm a good wife if I keep him happy. I'm a good mum if I keep... Like, poor old Romy J was very tired last night and I wish I videoed him because he was so hilarious. He was on the floor, he's only six months old and he did not like the fact that I was not picking him up. So he was letting me know in no uncertain terms. And then he, he's, he, he just rolled himself over in a really uh, sort of forceful way and he got such a fright and he landed up on his stomach and he did not want to be there and then the the volume went, (laughs) but you know, I just pick him up, I love him the same. I don't care if you're angry, bubby. It's the same as when you're laughing and smiling at me. That's what God says to you. You could be throwing a tanty, just don't do it for too long, please. Just grow up a bit quicker, get into God. Because I tell you who... Who gets hurt at the end of throwing a tanty? Yeah, it's not anyone else. The rest of you probably laugh. We're all laughing at you. But, you know, you, you know, God probably is going, for goodness sake, what are you doing, Grace? Get a grip. But, um, okay, so 
we know lots and lots of scriptures. In fact, the New Testament has got piles of scriptures of this. Jesus sets me free. So if this is your thing, if this is your thing, if you've had a feeling from young that you can never be good enough, or, or what about, what about you living a fairly good life, but you're plagued with bad dreams that you're really ashamed of, or many other things? Um, Jesus says that several things. First, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That will be in your life group notes where it is. Let me see where it is. Oh. Anyway, it's in the New Testament. <laughs> um, but this is one I want to say. So if you think that what you do is going to make you righteous and innocent, I'll read you this scripture. Do not set aside the grace of God, for it is righteousness could be... If righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If you could be good enough to get to heaven, then uh, you wouldn't need Jesus. He would have died for nothing. So have a little think about that concept if you're struggling with innocence. I'm going to have a little wrap-up right now. Um, right now you might be thinking, ah, oh, I'm pretty good. There's nothing, to, uh, there's nothing to really process. Great, praise God. But how about you have a little think? When was the last time I had a big overreaction? When's the last time I had to process? I was in a bad mood. I had relationship issues. And then think, which category could it fit in? Uh, I was thinking maybe we could go right back to the beginning. Could we go right? Let's see. No. Do you think you could put up the four um, emotional needs? They start with safety and then it goes to um, significance and progress. Ah, yay. So, have a look at that. Okay, with that in mind, here's some questions to ask yourself. Do I have to process anything or is there an area that I often have to process? Where do I feel under threat somehow? Do I, do I struggle with feeling safe? Do I feel, struggle with my self-esteem and my worth? Do I struggle with hope and having no purpose? Or is it shame and guilt that plague me? I'm just going to pray because I want to... I just want to say, I think I said it at the beginning, but, but I really mean it. We are super blessed, like Damien said, because we have the author of life as our friend. And so we can do research, we can read, we can get degrees, we can become psychologists and psychiatrists and counsellors and uh, coaches and mentors because there's some great stuff out there that is fantastic grace for our lives. But at the end of the day, it's nothing. If you go to hell with a healthy mind, connect with Jesus. Connect with Jesus. He is the author of life. And he, have a dialogue. Sit down. Look, some people get out a book and they do dialogues by journaling. Other people go for a walk. Some people even go mountain biking and do their dialogue. Start having a dialogue with God. This is not a day dialogue, guys. Weeks, months, even years. So get 
mentally prepared that if I have a big need in my life, I need to start dialoguing with God. I need to start writing some things down. If you want a way to journal that I find is very, very pragmatic in processing, come talk to me. Uh, And then find grace that is available to us, like books, counsellors, friends, wise friends, I might add, life group. Um, And don't just go, oh, that's me, I've got a big need. Reach out and reach into God. God bless you. Father, we love you. We're just finding things out about ourselves that you've known all along. And what I love about you, Father God, is you see all our potential and we don't. We just kind of see what's here today, maybe our problems, maybe some of our talents. But in you, life has no glass ceiling. In you, everything that you created for our soul to have, we can have. So I ask, Father God, as each one, if, if, you guys don't have to put your hand up, but I want to say, if you say there's something in that for me, I, I just want you to say that to God. I don't want to see hands. I want to go, oh, God, I think it's significance for me. Well, I think it's safety. Father, these people who are saying they see something that needs to be worked on, I ask for grace. I ask for mercy. I ask for goodness. I ask, Father God, for you to make a way for them to process, to grow, and to have healthy, all healthy areas in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.